0: Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have such an awesome guest on the show for you today. And we're going to really delve into a lot of things. I am so excited to welcome Jeremy Floyd to the show. Jeremy, welcome. Thanks for being here.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I know you're a life coach and this is why we're having you on here today as well, because you're going to help so many people. But tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Who I am. I just At my core, I am, you know, the little kid who keeps getting knocked down and no matter how many times he gets knocked down, he has dirt on his face, he's crying, (laughs) the sun is beating down on him. And it's like this little part of you is like, yeah, he's going to get back up and you want him to get back up and you root for him to get back up. And he just keeps getting up until he learns like the only reason why he ever fell down is because he thought he was missing something. I'm that kid. I'm the guy who I just like to have fun. I love, I believe in smiling. I believe in being honest. I believe in having honest conversations with ourselves. And I believe in moving past posting and things like that. Like the actual habits where you look up and you realize, Oh, wow, I've been doing the thing that I thought I was afraid to do the whole time. Um, I'm passionate. I, I love making people smile and, Just like, I love looking for ways to enjoy life when life doesn't seem ideal.
0: Mm, I love that. I
1: like to push myself too.
0: Yay. And you know what, let's face it, life isn't always ideal. And when you love someone with an addiction, which a lot of our listeners here, they are in a situation where they are loving someone with an addiction and the struggles that come with that. And, you know, you get knocked down and then you get back up and then you're trying your best in the situation and, you know, some full of disappointment and things like that. And so you, I love the way you put that is like, yeah, you keep, you get knocked down, you get back up, you get knocked down and get back up but like you said Jeremy you're you're smiling and you're you know you are and I'm, I have to notice that you have a whole bunch of shoes there over your yeah. shoulder oh, yeah. for the people <laughs> who can't see so oh my gosh I, think, I have a feeling that you really enjoy running shoes and shoes as well <laughs> yeah,
1: well uh, half of those are my fiancés to be honest I think I have like maybe five pairs over there if that okay so, okay but I, lo- I do love shoes though. I love shoes I do a lot. <laughs>
0: me too okay so let's let's delve in so what got you started along this path now I know you are a life coach that specializes in healing and I know a lot of us that are in the turmoil of loving someone with an addiction we do require a lot of healing we've been hurt we've been knocked down and um, so I'm really curious let's back up a little bit like tell us your story how did you Mm -hmm. get involved with
1: this so my life coach life coaching started for me I think honestly and I'm a big believer in this um it started for me at 5 and here's why I say that a lot of times when you look at people who if you have conversations with people who believe they're walking in their purpose they're able to tie it back to their childhood and realize that it was really just training ground the entire time so mine came from a, I had this thing growing up where I wanted to understand remote control cars right? I don't know why, right? I just, I wanted to uh, understand it. And I remember I would tear the cars apart. And my mom and dad would get Superman. I remember I was five years old. My mom comes into the room. She goes, what are you doing, Jeremy? I'm like, "I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make the car. She goes, well, why are you tearing it apart? And I was like, in order to make it, I have to tear it apart. And she goes, what does that do? I go, well, if I know how it works, I can just make them myself. So that way you guys don't have to buy them. And she was like, uh, my dad was like, why is it important? Like, wh- what, what, like, why? And I was like, well, cause every time you buy them I always hear you talk about how much money we don't have. And I feel like you're, yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking something away from the family. And I remember my mom looking at me, mind you, I'm five. My mom's looking at me like, who, who taught you this? And I was like, it just popped in my head, right? And she was like, well, how did you know to have it pop in your head? I was like, it's like words affect people. Mm. And I remember so that kind of always wanted to understand things. And then my dad being in um being an alcoholic, um, and the fact that my both grandfathers were alcoholics. Like at an early age, I was like, oh crap, because it was three of us. It's me, my older brother, and my twin brother. I was like, somebody's gonna get this. And I was like, knowing my luck, bro, I was like, uh. And like, I, I those little things, I remember just putting those pieces together as kids and still having some type of uh, wherewithal to understand that not only were other kids not thinking like this, grownups weren't even thinking like this. And then um, my dad doing going through the stuff he went through, uh, my mom watching her deal with the stuff she went through being molested from the ages of seven to 10. And then my twin brother dying the day after Christmas when I was 13. So all of that stuff, I went from, mind you before it's this blissful, cause think about it, as kids, we come into the earth. How do we learn through playing and exploring? What's the first thing that happens when we get hurt? We stop playing and we stop exploring. No one puts these pieces together. And to me, it's just like, I've been putting these pieces together for since I was a kid. And so I went from this expo- being, you know, watching everything and, and having fun. Think about it. Imagine if you go to, let's say you've been to Chicago and you go to Chicago with a kid, a grown up's going to go to downtown Chicago like this. A kid's going to be like, Oh my God, look, they're going to be taking in the sights and sounds and everything. Cause they don't know any better. Right. And, um, and then going from that, from sleeping with rats and roaches, uh, you know, seeing people get murdered, um, losing family members, having no heat while living in Chicago, right off of Lake Michigan in the winter time, having to sleep in coats, and like I remember all that, you know, and um, I remember just started using drugs because I didn't want to feel anything anymore. That's the one thing that people who've never suffered with addiction don't understand is a lot of times we don't want to feel. Mm. And a lot of times alcohol and drugs are the last thing. And if you're talking, a lot of addicts will tell you how they were so hesitant to do it at first because they saw what it did to others, but I couldn't take any more People are so quick to judge us, but not listen to that line. If a person is telling you they can't take anymore, they can't. And I didn't want to deal with anything. I didn't want to deal. I'm I'm 13 years old. I'm having the process being molested and watching my twin brother in a casket and seeing my dad in prison and seeing my mom cry and smelling gunpowder and seeing crack needles on the ground. You can understand mentally what this does to a person and then... I just remember closing the casket. It was almost like if you've ever seen in a movie where you get a dusty book and the, the the person in the movie goes, and it just blows the dust everywhere. That's how it felt when they closed my brother's casket. And I was like, yep, I'm done. And drugs when I was 14 and then alcohol at 17. And then the part of my 20s, I remember just waking up on couches or... Yeah, even going back to high school being in mental institutions and it was just, but there was always, I want to say this, there was always this light in me that was like, yeah, we're going to laugh at this one day. Like it (laughs) it stinks. This is the part of the road trip that nobody likes, right? And I would would literally tell myself that as a kid, like, bro, you're just on the part of the road trip that nobody likes, but wait till you get to the good part. This is going to make so much more sense. Like I told myself that Since I think I've been like seven, six or seven and the I good so i know that was long-winded i i apologize <laughs>
0: oh my gosh first of all jeremy i'm so grateful and thankful for you sharing your story and i'm you know so sorry for the tragedy that you've been through and um for all that struggle and i can't i can't even imagine the pain and it makes so much sense to me uh hearing you speak to and, and and understanding the the need and the want and the desire to numb all that pain that you were exposed to, but you, I was feverishly taking notes while you were talking because like, Oh my gosh, the insights that come from you and just like, I just love this idea of you, you know, bringing it back to the, the life as a training ground. It's a classroom. Yeah. It's like opportunities to learn and grow and that, you know, we're not immune to crisis and trauma and, and challenges in our life. And um, the idea is, is, that shifting that mindset, it sounds like from a really young age, you were really aware of this special gift that you had mm-hmm. um, acknowledging, you know, the light inside you. And um, I just, I really love your verbiage and the words that you chose to describe that and that that light is actually what helped pull you through such tragedy and um and allowed you to triumph right um I, the other thing is, um, that, so this was your, this is your journey and it, and you're an example. And what I, I love to bring to people's attention is you've proven what's possible and yes. you've proven that you can get through this and you've proven, um, your strength. Um, so I'm curious, like, so you kind of touched on what some of the biggest struggles were with you in the world of addiction. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: The biggest struggles for me, oh wow, one of the biggest ones was uh, believing a lie that I wouldn't know how to enjoy life again without drugs and alcohol that that one right there, that one was a doozy um the other ones would include um well, nah, I'm weird, so I wanted to feel everything um when i when I didn't use anymore, and the reason why I did is. I wanted to know how it reacts. So that way, the first time was a training ground. The second time was real life. So I just applied everything I learned. Um, So I didn't have a problem with staying away from people or like people telling me they didn't want to be friends with me, I didn't, I honestly, I did not care. And I remember being surprised at how much didn't care. But um, the biggest one was believing the lie that uh, I wouldn't know how to experience life uh, through the lens of reality and not drugs and alcohol.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is a big struggle, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are thinking, oh, I just wish that they, you know, could, you know, see that life can be so much better, and I wish that they could see that, you know, if they just didn't do, you know, drugs or if they just didn't drink, you know, it would be we could have our family back together. Like, there's yeah. so many people probably thinking that, and it's interesting that that is you. You do end up that the biggest struggle was looking in hindsight is believing that you could actually have a life that you enjoy you could actually be in a place that's um, enjoyable
1: yes like think about this for a second what if just for one moment like suspend beliefs and, and, and preconceived notions imagine for one moment that it, what if the only thing you've ever done wrong in life is simply believe there was ever something wrong with you in the first place
0: okay you have to say that again oh my gosh that was so <laughs> good say it again
1: so what if the only thing we've done wrong is people is believe that there was something ever wrong with us in the first place. Think about driving on a wet road. A lot of times people get into car accidents because they overcorrect for something that didn't need that much correction. So in life we start when I didn't start doing things that rejected people did until I started to believe that I was rejected. Mm-hmm. But if I have to believe that I'm rejected, that implies there's no rejection.
0: Uh, you, and that is so true. It's the lens through which we see the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Literally.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, Jeremy, like how did you take back your power? Now you have a really interesting story too, how you walked from Minneapolis to where did you walk to?
1: Santa Monica, uh, California.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. And it took you, you said three months. Tell us a little bit, like, how did you, I want to hear all about how you took back your power and, and, and tell us about that healing journey.
1: So that started through like, uh, a breaking experience. And it's funny, I feel like people never really notice when we listen to stories of inspiration, we, ne- we we listen to the end, but we never forget A lot of these people start off with language such as, well, I was at the worst period of my life. It was the darkest time, And I, you know, and for me it's the same thing. It was coming out of a, a time in my life where I was like really heavily contemplating suicide and um, being in rehab, deciding to go to rehab, I remember just being in rehab, praying and saying, God, what am I supposed to do? I ref- I-, I heard uh, TD Jakes, who's an amazing speaker, he talks about how he refuses to leave this earth and not do the thing he was created to do. Like, think about that. Like, you leave earth and not accomplish the reason you came to earth, which is funny why we laugh at those memes that say you had one job only, it's funny cause we, I think part of us laughs with that cause we identify with that if we're being honest, but I, I just remember Ed, Ed, growing up in Chicago, never leaving the city limits. The first time I left, I remember how um, like crisp the air was. I remember that there, were, there weren't liquor stores or bond shops on every corner. Uh, you could hear kids laughing. People actually left their windows open. The air was clean. And I just remember, like, I love this. This is amazing. Um, and that was when I was ten. So that was in '96. And a couple months later, Forrest Gump came out. And so yes. Forrest, for me, Forrest Gump uh, solidified my weirdness because I was. It didn't real, I didn't register at ten that that was a movie. I thought that was real life. And the fact that I I I got a taste of what it felt like to get out of Chicago. Enough said. So I made up my mind. I remember we were driving to, um, we were driving to a camp. My grandmother was taking us there, and I just remember look, looking out the left or the right to my window and seeing cornfields, and saying, "What would it be like to walk through walk?" And so when I did the walk, it was so the going to rehab and doing all that, and then getting to the walk was nothing. It was in the walk. Um, through tearing my knee, I I tore my meniscus and my uh, right knee, almost dying in a mudslide in Utah, a tornado in Wyoming, Um, being lonely, not having phone service, not having food, being scared, being uncomfortable, that I realized I was broken. And the only difference is in that process, I just allowed myself to be broken. I didn't It was kind of a blessing. No one was around, so I didn't have to try to hurry up and fix myself up. I could just be broken and I wanted to smell the stench. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, like people ask me, did you walk with headphones? No. I wanted to feel everything. I wanted to feel, if this sounds weird, I wanted to feel the depression. I wanted to feel all of that just to understand that I'm much more than that. And that was it for me that like that like almost turned me on in a sense of like my mind was locked. Who am I? That's it. Who am I? Mm. And I had to address everything that I wasn't. Whether I believed it through my own thinking or I accepted someone else's thinking, I wanted to see. Like people say when people do like crazy things and they go, I'm surprised that came out of me. And I'm like, yeah, not, not, not so much me. And people are like, wait, you don't know. I know why I said that. It doesn't make what I said right. I, if I'm wrong, I'm 100% wrong. But I know where that came from. And now that I know where that came from, I don't have to tarnish a friendship or a relationship because I'm going to put myself under the same microscope that I would have held you under.
0: Mm, Oh my gosh, that is so special And that's such an amazing part of your healing journey And I love that you were inspired by Forrest Gump um, the other thing is, is that I, so one of the ways that I'm hearing you took back your power, how you got your power back and your strength and everything is, is just the sheer fact of allowing yourself to be broken, allowing yourself, and, and I always use the expression, sit in your wet diaper there for a little mm-hmm. bit, like yeah. it's actually honoring those emotions, right? So mm-hmm. if we're, we're constantly putting emotions under the carpet and, and not acknowledging them, then essentially we're numbing, Right. Um, Exactly. And so a lot of people are pretending bad things don't happen. And um, so the idea here is that you really wanted to just experience the whole gamut of emotions. So you could look at it from an honest perspective of being broken, of feeling uncomfortable. And uh, that's actually super healing part of your healing process. And it's interesting that it's that very thing and that acknowledgement that started your healing journey. And I can speak to that too, is that I had to admit, um, when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, I had to get to that point where I admitted that, you know what, I am broken. I'm exhausted. I cannot keep going like on like this. Um, and you know, it just had to get to that point for me to really shift my lens to say, I need to save myself now.
1: Like healed. That's what I would challenge people because that is, a, you have a powerful testimony and a powerful story. But I always tell it's nothing wrong with loving someone. There's nothing wrong with it. The issue is, we find it easier to love others than to love ourselves. So if you heal that little part in you, you may find that you can now love people from a distance. And what we do is we'll typically love on to someone even harder when we know they're not good for us because the worse they are, the more they blind us to us because now we have a project. Now we have something to fix. And that's how you see it in the movies. Then that person ends up really moving on and getting healthy and moves on. And now this, Girl, I'm speaking from the standpoint of woman and man. I know this happens to everyone in relationship, but this woman is now broken. And now she's in her middle age and she's sitting down and she's lonely. But where did she see that before? And nine times out of 10, that older woman is still that little girl who's still in that fetal position crying wondering why no one's come to pick her up. And this older woman does not understand yet that in order to move forward, she has to go back.
0: Mm, I love that, and and there's where that self compassion piece comes in, right? Is yes. honoring those emotions, is recognizing when you need uh, to give yourself love. And I love the way you put that. It's easy to love other people, right? Absolutely. Uh, but it is. It's hard to turn that love inward on yourself and really nurture that that inner inner child, so to speak.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, in really, if you think about it. Think about how much money we spend as a human race to distract ourselves from what? Emotions. Think about we go our whole life avoiding emotions to only get to the end of life and realize we never lived in the first place. What is the one thing that differentiates, differentiates the living and the dead? And it's emotions, energy.
0: I love the way you put that. Yes, energy in motion. I always say you got to get that energy and put it into motion. Yes, yes
1: seriously. So
0: okay, so what has been your biggest lesson? Like through all of this, what has been your biggest lesson?
1: My biggest lesson is we all I honestly do you know, trust, trust. The one thing that trauma does is it tends to take away our options. And as humans, when we feel like we lack options, we don't trust well. Um, trust what God put in you. Um, also don't don't be like me, one of those people who used to say, When I get XYZ, I'm going to then be XYZ because then what is the that that mentality is no different than the homeless man that that some people try to avoid. When when I get some change, I'm going to then know. And we sit there and we, I mean, if we're being honest, we loathe and some of us have things to say about them, whether we say in ourselves or but we're we're them. Our physical man just hasn't caught up by the grace of God. So I would just say um, make the choice to be happy now and be you, please be you. If there anyone, listeners from eight, nineties, eighties, seventies, for whatever, we do not change. We, we rely, we remain solid in who our grandparents and our, our moms pour, and our dad's pour, our community poured into us as far as respect as far as honor, as far as correction, as far as love, and as far as peace. We need to, I wanna get, I, it would be amazing to get back to the days we can have conversations where we in fact disagree, but the respect that I have for you as a human being is still there. And smile, like, smile.
0: uh oh, I love that. And I just like, I, you raised so many good points there. I love your that concept of uh, so many of us. They all be happy when you know, it could be even like I'll be happy when they stop doing drugs, or I'll happy mm-hmm. be happy when. But really, we have the control in the present moment, and I like how you bring that into this conversation because it's like, well, we we. I know it's some people are listening to thinking like how the heck can I be happy right now when I have a bruise on my face from being punched last night Absolutely. Or, you know what I mean like so at the same time though it's it's I always say even if you can increase some of those positive emotions and make them a little stickier as often as possible mm-hmm. um, taking taking the time to really nurture those positive emotions and, and foster yes. things to savor and be grateful for the even if it's small little morsels of goodness in your life or reaching out to someone who you know can support you and so you don't feel alone and and I, and you know what they do say like you said a smile is contagious right and then yes. and being kind to others as well as like receiving kindness from others is really important too and and you know a lot of people can speak to that they feel lost i love how you say just be you it sounds like you know cliche but it's so true they like i felt like i lost my sparkle i was looking in the mirror going oh my god like who am i like what what is happening what, what was the one
1: thing that helped you get it back What was the one, now looking back though, what is the one thing you did that helped you get it back?
0: Well, exactly. And so what I did is I, I literally decided that I need to shift the lens back onto myself. I need to care for me, Andrea, because poor Andrea has been through the ringer. So I'm no longer going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. And I took the reins of my own life. And I literally decided I'm going to turn this pain into purpose. And I started just journaling. And I started, you know, so many things. I had to use real-time resilience to get through the, the muck of actually loving someone with an addiction you know the the actual details of it but then you know i reached out to more friends i joined support groups i i started eating healthier i'd go to the gym more i did my yoga classes i started meditations like slowly it doesn't happen overnight but those slowly things and you're such a good interviewer you just flipped it on me because i was gonna ask you
1: (laughs) may i say one thing really quick yes 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 for the for the people who are going to stay i i would just want it, and I, it is hard when circumstances are not lining up with what you hope. But for the people who've already made up their mind and their heart to stay, consider that the reason this, this individual may be in this position is because they've never seen love. And now you have the opportunity. And I understand you being in this situation, it may be hard. And you might even be saying, well, Jeremy, I didn't receive love either. But part of love... Sometimes if you're committed, it's committing. And through you being there, you, you're you teaching this individual how to not only, because as you see now, it's not just about being loved, it's also about receiving, receiving love. And this is for the people though, who have made it up in their minds, that they're, they're, they're going to stay, that is amazing. And commitment is almost become a bad word now. They don't even use them in phone contracts anymore. Um, but, um, be strong. And it, I think it's amazing. And, but it, there, if there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. And I'm sure though, uh, also um, recognizing when there is, when it is time to remove yourself Absolutely. from the situation also, um, recognizing that you know you can't control it you didn't cause it you can't cure it um so like you said earlier loving from a distance sometimes right but and i think that that you know focusing on the major healing here is that when you feel lost find yourself again like okay. you need to you know i always say you can't pour from an empty cup you can't you know put your oxygen mask on first like you need to save yourself essentially because if you're getting so depleted and knocked down like you okay. said when you're a little kid like knock down knock down knock right. down it's in and that's how a lot of people feel too when they love someone with an addiction is like you can get back up you can rise um but it's also it's going to it's you know it's going to involve a lot of healing yes. um and and so I'm really wondering like what are some of the like some of the things that you did to take your take your power back
1: being honest about where I was oh crying let me just throw this out here uh crying 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 the, my first day at rehab I don't know as a kid or as a grown-up, if you've ever jumped into, uh, have you ever had this happen where you jump into a pool and the water is colder than you expected and you ever notice how your body will kind of go like, (sighs) yeah, like (laughs) that was literally how it was, which ironically, now that I think about it, that was actually the same sound that I made when they um, closed my twin brother's casket. I just realized that now, Mm -hmm. but going into rehab and I cried. And I remember I cried for the first two days and anyone who's ever cried, you know, the worst thing to do is try to talk to me while I'm crying because it's going to make me cry more because now I'm mad that I can't get your answer out. But it was the most refreshing that I felt because it was the first time that I can remember being honest about where I was. Mm. So for like, even though my outward, it uh, it was not like a very Denzel Washington-esque cry. It was more like a second grade ran into the wall cry, it was very disgusting and nasty on the outside, but on the inside, Uh -uh. I literally felt like there was like a waterfall going, like if you've ever drank really cold water when you've been hot, you know how you can feel it dump into your stomach? That's what I felt like inwardly when I was crying. So it was the most amazing experience. So acknowledging where you are, because acknowledging where you are destroys walls of pride. So people can come, people who were once where you were, can come and pick you up and pick you out.
0: Oh, I love that. That is so special. And Yes. And crying actually, science also has shown that in our teardrops, there's the stress hormone. So crying helps to relieve stress and there's no shame in it. You know, nope. even if I always say I used to go to my car and I'd have my like this ugly cry, my eyes would be all bulgy and I'd have to take <laughs> fitness classes at night. and I'd be like, oh no. Like I put like vising in my eyes, trying to clear up my eyes saying, I must have allergies. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. like,
0: But at the same time, it's like, I needed to do that. You need to let it out. And, and one of the chapters actually in my book is called, it's okay, not to be okay. And it's this idea that, you know, honoring it's first acknowledging and getting on like honest with your emotions. And, and, and those emotions are telling us something like they're, they're there for communication. Right. Um, So I love that you bring that up and that it is part of honesty. It's about being vulnerable and it's like, it's, it's letting, you know,
1: Yes. yes. And then being able, like, I think one of the best things I have ever gotten from the coaching people was giving me, like at the end of sessions when people were like, wait, you mean to tell me I spent all this time running from this feeling and now that I addressed it, the very thing I've been running from is finally letting me go. And I go, yeah, and they go, so this whole time that thing has been trying to give me something, yeah.
0: Yeah. Such a gift. It actually can be a gift when you're in the muck though, it's harder to see it.
1: Absolutely. Yes. But knowing that, that, that potential is there and yes. just using that as your motivation, because, and one of the biggest things is like you, you mentioned this earlier not believing that you deserve what you're currently going through. And if, if you are believing that, what a beauty, be honest, be honest about it because I, and here's why I say that. When people, I, especially that emotion, you've heard it and I've heard it, that comes up a lot where people will say, well, there's a part of me that just feels like I deserve this. What happens is when, when, when the situations come up from, a, from a, a, a neurology standpoint, every time that situation comes up, it further cements that belief in that person, keeping them stuck in that cycle. And so acknowledging that it's there, and here's the reason why you want to acknowledge it, because something amazing happens. You realize that void has been in you the entire time. And here's why that's amazing. When a person sees that, they instantly begin to heal. And they will literally start to repel away from them the very things that they were bringing toward them. I know this is a crazy concept. I know this this is not what we've been taught because we've been taught what to think, not how to think.
0: Yeah, it's like the eureka I had at one point, I remember is I remember thinking, I was caring so much for, um, the person that I, I loved the addicted loved one in my life. And like, I was buying essential oils cause he had mm-hmm. a, quote unquote, a chronic sinus infection. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, vaporizer, special, special supplements. He couldn't sleep all night because, you know, he's yeah. out in the garage. This is when I didn't know about what he was doing, but, and mm-hmm. so I'm buying him special sleep, you know, um, supplements and like, you know, helping him with all this stuff. And I remember like getting so, depleted. And I actually then learned what I was dealing with, but then at the same time, I was still trying to save him. And then I finally realized, you know, who needs saving right now? It's me. Like I need the saving here. And so hence the name of this podcast and my (laughs) book and everything, but it's almost like I had to get honest with the the sheer fact that I like the very saving that I was trying to do is actually what I was needing and uh, just flipping it back. And, and, and once you, once you get honest with that and acknowledge that you're actually the like the I was the depleted. I became depleted, and I like mm-hmm. no longer could even care for that mm-hmm. other person. It's like I had the only po- person I had control over was me, and yeah. so I was like, "This is this is what I need to do now." So that was it. Had to get to that point though. So yeah. you really raised such a really a great point there. So I have a, a question for you then for the yes. listeners, like they're in the muck or maybe they're, you know, where, yes. wherever they are in the world of loving someone with an addiction. Um, mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give them? What, what insight would you want to give them?
1: Loving. So here's my thing. I think, I think, and this is kind of a lost art and I kind of got this from my granny from back, back, back in the day is if you're going to be doing if whatever you're doing, why not question it? And, it, 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 and it, if we're also gonna be honest, a lot of times people won't add, we won't ask questions because we know we won't, we won't like the answer. And the mere fact that we don't ask questions in certain areas shows that that is actually the answer. Why are you allowing yourself to be in the situation? Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, I'm not here to tell you your situation's right or wrong. I, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for, to get, for you to get even more clarity. Why are you here? And what is actually causing you to stick around? And if you say, well, I love him, great. What does loving, loving him give you? Well, loving him gives me, um, it makes me feel like I have someone to be around. Why is having someone to be around well, cause I get lonely because you're lonely, you know, get to the core of that thing. And yeah. why not? You're giving the most precious thing you have to it, which is your time. You owe the, it owes it to you. In my opinion, ask, mm-hmm. ask yourself, don't, don't go and ask the partner, ask yourself, why am I here? And what's really causing me to stick around? And I think if people take to do that. It's very simple to do. And if they take it serious, they may be quite surprised at some of the insights that they will receive. But one thing I, I think I can guarantee is that anyone who takes the time to do it thoughtfully will not only be amazed at what they find, but they will find other ways that they can take that and use it in their life moving forward.
0: Oh, it's so true. And it's such a wonderful part of the healing journey. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost scary to ask those questions mm-hmm. because we may not like the answer. Like, and and the other thing is I remember asking myself, like, why is it that I pu- I'm putting up with this? If, if I was dating a guy and this is how he was treating me, I would never in a million years like tolerate it or stay in it or like, you no. know. And so I asked myself that question and I really did through journaling and coaching and blah, blah, blah. Um, I discovered that it was because I was, I was holding on to and clinging to the person that I fell in love with that was no longer before my eyes. So my hope, my hopefulness was actually, I was hoping that the person that I would have, that I fell in love with um, would come back. And then I had to realize and, and honor that the truth of it is this person going to come back and um it wasn't gonna he at that point no he was not choosing to come back and there's too much damage that had already been done and so right. it's almost like yeah getting real and honest I love that theme through our conversation today right. and then the it's the hard truth sometimes um, and the truth was is that you know what no this this doesn't align with my values. this doesn't feel healthy and comfortable. I value safety, I value respect, I value love and care and kindness. And there is not a lot of that going on right now.
1: <laughs> yeah and, and it's like you see and you even said it before. you said there was a moment where you realized, oh wow, you mean the very thing that I uh, the very thing I think I've been giving I've been actually needing. And then yes. here's the, here's the kicker. You can only give it if you have it. So many people say they they're like, "Well, I got to give, I have, I'm going to give love and they don't feel love. Meanwhile, they know the whole time that they need to be loved, but never realizing how can you give love to someone else? If you don't first possess it, what we forget, to is instead of going, we get so used to going like this, we need to start going like this. If you're gonna take take and bring in and yeah, so you're living proof of that.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, so your insight has been and also the lens right you have the lens of loving people with addiction but at the same time having an addiction so I really do value having you on the show and and being a part of the conversation and I know people are going to want to get a hold of you so um, what are you up to these days like how can they get a hold of you
1: so uh, what am I up to so I do coaching as we he talked about um, people who, like I said, people who are struggling just with addictive habits, with those those things that they don't want to tell anybody, we don't tell our friends about, but we know are secretly holding us back. I help people work past that so they can move forward. Um, I actually do comedy too, stand-up comedy, because why not make fun of depression and anxiety? Like, seriously, why not? Like, no one's ever tried it, and I figured, well, I'm going to go after it and uh, give it a, a pretty hard swing and hopefully hit a grand slam and they can find me on, I'm on um, Instagram at, at walk unchained, which was a little walk I did uh, from Minneapolis to Santa Monica. I'm on Facebook at uh, Jeremy, uh, J E R E M Y uh, middle initial L as in love and last name Floyd. So I am, um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm living my best life because I feel like that sounds cliche, but I'm in a really good place. I think I'm in the best place I've been since I've been a kid. So yeah. Yay. Um. <laughs>
0: uh, I just want to celebrate you too. And all the love that you're bringing to this world and laughter and smiles and um, full circle. Right. Coming back to that, that, that yeah. child that you spoke about coming to the world and, and seeing th- things through a joyful lens.
1: I never put that together until now. you said it came full circle wow
0: yay you yay so of course i'll put all the links in the show notes so people can reach out to you and connect with you and um uh reach out to you for resources and support as well thank you jeremy so much for being on the show thank
1: you yes thank you
0: thank you for listening to this podcast If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreaseidel.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.